Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So what exactly are alternative facts? Kellyanne Conway, a senior advisor to uh, President Trump on uh, American television on the Sunday shows this morning. I think she was talking to Chuck Todd. And uh, they were talking about the uh, the challenge that the White House is delivering concerning what has been reported as the uh, attendance at the inauguration as not being the correct figures with the president saying it's much, much larger, and and so Kellyanne Conway told Chuck Todd, well, we have alternative facts. I have no idea what that means. That just sounds bizarre. What a bumpy start to the relationship, though, between the uh, Trump administration and the media, the official start between the administration and the media with that first news conference that lasted for just a few minutes with Sean Spicer just hammering away at the uh, at the reporters. Uh, some of it justified, very justified. Some of it was just a little strange, I thought. Um, I would have liked it had they spent more time on, first of all, they should have talked about Obamacare and dismantling that. But the story that's bothering me, and this is about, this is the fake news aspect of things. This is really bothering me. The Time magazine pool reporter, who did the story on apparently the bust of Dr. Martin Luther King being removed from the Oval Office on the first day of Donald Trump's occupancy. Other news organizations picked that up, and off it went on Twitter, that Trump has removed MLK's bust on his first day in office, and, and it was going to be this major story and major issue. And you know how this turned out. The reporter hadn't been able to see where the bust normally is because there was a television camera in front of it and a camera operator. So he couldn't see the bust because of the camera and the camera operator. So instead of moving just a couple of feet to the left or to the right to ascertain whether or not the uh, the bust was there, he just wrote that it was gone. Can't do that. And when it comes to busts in the White House, the bust of Winston Churchill has returned. That was removed in 2009 by President Obama who at the time said, words to the effect of, well, if you have too many busts in the Oval Office, it's, it tends to clutter the place up. This is not going to be a very comfortable relationship going forward between uh, the media and the Trump administration 
And there's one other thing I want to talk, and we'll talk to our, our good friend, Fran Coombs, the managing editor of Rasmussen Reports, national polling firm, great national firm, polling firm in the United States. Fran, as you know, has been with us for all of the, the, uh, the election campaign. Uh, what I don't quite understand, let me get Fran up here right now. Hi, Fran. Thank you very much for taking the time. Always a pleasure, Roy. What I don't understand is how can, maybe you can explain this to us, how can President Trump's approval numbers going into office be at 35 or 36 percent, which I've read in, in, in some places, just weeks after more than 60 million people voted him into office? How does that happen? Well, first of all, I, I would I'd point you to our approval numbers, which we had Friday morning, which was 56 percent. Uh, and uh, and as you well know, and your listeners know, we we got the election right. Yes, you did. Uh, so the same people that got the election wrong and were way wrong are saying that his numbers are down to the low 40s and you know around that. So first of all, I would you know I would give. Of course, the the media all echoed that because they they're anti-Trump. Um, but the thing that amazes me is is that Trump won the election. So you got to figure that 50, let's say 50 percent of the voters in the country are happy that he won. And yet, when you look at the U.S. media, you cannot find a single story, a single story that reflects anybody that feels any gladness or any joy or anybody that is celebrating Trump's election. Every single story is doom and gloom. Yeah. Well, like Chris Matthews of MSNBC said there was a Hitlerian background to President Trump's inauguration speech. Rachel Maddow said the speech had a very dark echoes of American history, and Terry Moran of ABC News said, quote, it carries with it overtones from the 1930s when an anti-Semitic movement was saying, we don't want to get involved in Europe's war, it's the Jews' fault in Germany. This is how they reacted to the inauguration speech. Right. Well, that's, I mean, face it, these people are just out-and-out enemies of Donald Trump's administration. I mean, I don't, and, and that's why, I mean, you want to know why Spicer's laying into the reporters, because it's like, you know, it's like you've got a bunch of parasitic worms there in the White House that you've got to hold at bay. Uh, I mean, the guy has just become president, and they've already, you know, they've already condemned him 100%. Oh, absolutely. And these are the people that are supposedly putting the news out to the American public. So um, why the big fight over the attendance at the inauguration? Is that, you covered news for many years in Washington. You were the editor of the Washington Times isn't that a, a waste of time, effort? And... It, is, it is a waste of time, and but and you see it all the time. I mean, you know, the so-called Million Man March that didn't have anywhere near a million. I mean, and they argue over this. And, in fact, that's why the Park Service got out of the business of doing crowd counts a number of years ago, because they got caught in between the groups that had the marches or whatever and the other side, and, you know, they were just beaten to death. So they said, forget it, we're not doing crowd numbers anymore. Uh, so people, yes, it is, and I think, you know, Trump with his Twitter account is, I mean, they, we all know, there are days when you're like, why is he doing this? But I guess the other side of the story is is that the media is so 100% against him that I think he just feels like he has to pound away at them all the time on everything. So going forward, now I want to ask you about your polling that you've done last week, but going forward, do you expect... For the next, well, let's just take the entire term. For four years, is it going to be an adversarial situation between the Trump administration and mainstream media in the United States? Uh, I think absolutely. 
I think there may be some that try to break ranks uh, because they want to get that access or they want to get the exclusive interview and all that kind of thing. But as we saw, even for the entertainment for the inauguration, uh, basically anybody that tries to break ranks is going to be told that they'll never work in this town again. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely a heavy fear factor going down. Uh, nobody wants to step out of line because they'll have the full weight of the media on them uh, or the full weight of the global establishment on them, so they're worried about that. But I do think some people will break ranks, but yes, um, I think Trump's going to do You know, he's fought against both parties. He's on his own, and it's really going to depend on whether he can accomplish something. Now, that fake news story by Zeke Miller from Time magazine, where he reported that the bust of Martin Luther King had been removed on the first day of office in office of Donald Trump, and he didn't even bother to move a few feet to the left or to the right to ascertain what was behind that television camera and the camera operator. Right, he probably got a raise. Time probably gave him a raise. But, I mean, look, they've had a series of those. The Washington Post had that story two weeks ago. Uh, that the Soviets had attacked, tried to attack the U.S. utility grid through a utility company in Vermont. That's right. And it turned out to be a completely false story. Right. Right. It, know, was, it, was, mean, one, it was one laptop that may not have had a, a, a virus in it at all. Right. They thought it had some malware on it, then they don't even know where it came from. Yeah. So, um, anyway, but, so we've seen stories like this, and we're going to see more stories like this. I mean, a lot of this is the product of buyouts in newsrooms and younger reporters less editing um they, they're trying to get throw clickbait up so they can get as much traffic as possible online uh and, and so it, it's a product of that kind of thing the journalists are not as good as they used to be as seasoned as they used to be and also it's a mindset that anything trump does is bad and wrong you just know it you can just assume it automatically it's going to be an uncomfortable situation in the united states it, people will become increasingly uncomfortable. Fran, please hold on. We're going to come back with Fran Coombs. I want to ask Fran about the polling that they did at Rasmussen over this past week. And there's some very interesting numbers and very interesting polling questions that they asked. And then I'm going to play for you what Madonna said at the Women's March yesterday and what Ashley Judd said. And we'll take some phone calls from you. Next hour, Kevin O'Leary. You mess with the you bull. You mess with the bull. You get the horns. You get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Listen back anytime to anything that we air on the webpage, RoyGreenshow.com, where you can also post your thoughts, your opinions, and add them to what I post there. We're on Facebook, too. Fran Coombs, managing editor of Rasmussen Reports in, uh, in the United States. Just get involved in their, um, subscribe to their daily feed. It's really fascinating to find out what, uh, what Americans are saying particularly now with the new president. Fran, 83% of Americans think Donald Trump is likely to reverse or abolish much of what was put in place by Barack Obama. What's yeah, the Most of what Obama put in place. Right. How... Yeah, and I, I think he will. I mean, I mean, we also asked people last week, what was, you know, what rate Obama's greatest hits, if you will. Of course, Obamacare was at the top of the list, and then you had other things like the Iran deal, his uh, his policies toward illegal immigration and refugees, uh, things like that, and uh, his social and racial policies. And uh, but Obamacare was head and shoulders above everything else. And uh, you know, Trump's going to take that take that out. I mean, he's going to change it very dramatically. 
Uh, he's obviously going to. He's very serious about um, illegal immigration. Uh, I was very struck in his inaugural. His inaugural address was very workmanlike, uh, but he he just he pounded away at the very issues that he ran on, uh, and he basically said to the American public, "Hey, hold me accountable. I'm going to do this. You're the boss." Uh, no, no flighty rhetoric. Uh, but after having listened to years of flighty rhetoric, I, you know, it was kind of nice to hear a guy with who's basically saying, "Let's roll up our sleeves and get to work." Yeah, I mean, I listened to it and I thought, "What else would he say?" I heard the right. all of the negative commentary afterwards, and I said, "It makes absolute sense what he said. This is what he campaigned on. He stood up and he said, this is what we're going to do. And from now on, from today on, the government is going to belong to the people of the United States, not these guys sitting behind me." Right. Which I thought was very, that was a very powerful statement, because it was addressed both to the Republicans and the Democrats. Now, um, uh, will Trump's vision, the question, one other question you asked was, will Trump's vision of America succeed where Obama's did not? What was the response to that? Well, actually, that was, I just posited that in a commentary. I'm saying that's what we're going to see in the next four years. Okay. Um, So it's, and that's going to be the real test. I mean, he's going to run into, I mean, some of the biggest opposition he's going to face is within his own party, as you know. Right. Uh, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, characters like that. Marco Rubio who's trying to shine his star a little brighter. Um, so he's going to run into resistance from some of those guys, not just the Democrats. Uh, and he's made it very clear, as he made in that speech, that he's going right at the establishment in Washington. What should we look for in this country yesterday um, Mr. Trump and our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had a conversation. Apparently, they talked about trade. They also talked about security. But uh, Donald Trump has said in the past, said to a Canadian magazine, that um, that Justin Trudeau is the worst president Canada's ever had. Clearly, it's Prime Minister, but so he doesn't have a great deal of affection for Trudeau. What should we expect in the, in the relationship that might develop or not develop? Well, I think. Look, I think Trump is a realist. Uh, he's, he's a negotiator. He's, he's obviously, his business success indicates that. So I think he's, he has served notice. People around the world know that there's a, a new tough sheriff in town. But I think at the end of the day, Trump wants to accomplish things. I mean, his agenda couldn't be any simpler. Jobs in America, trade that's benefit, more beneficial to our country, that kind of thing. Um, but, for example, Keystone Pipeline, I, I imagine that thing's going to sail right through. Uh, that'll be good for Canada. Uh, so it's you know, I think um, Trump is going to want to start racking up some accomplishments. He's going to he's going to cut through the BS, uh, and that's what people really can measure it by. So I mean, he's not out. He has no harbors, no animosity toward Canada, nor does it do the American people. He just wants to do what's best for the U.S. Will he be able to do his job, Fran, given the fact that he's fighting the media, he's fighting the people in Hollywood who will continue to create these videos that people will watch if for no other reason than it's kind of interesting and fun in a way, in a sad way. But he's also fighting the the Democratic Party. He's fighting others in, in his own party. He's got four years ago. Is there going to be enough? Uh, does he have enough capital to be able to drive through his agenda, or is he going to be hitting too many large speed bumps along the way? Well, I think it really, I think it really depends on what he can accomplish. Uh, his voters, obviously, are, or believe me, we are so relieved. Uh, there, are so, there are people in this country who are so relieved to see Obama's helicopter fly out of town. Uh, I mean, there's no question this is a divided nation. I mean, half the people were sorry to see him go. The other half couldn't wait for the guy to get out the door. Uh, so those people are, they're 
fully vested in Trump, and if, I mean, if he continues, if the market, stock market keeps going up, if companies keep planning more jobs in this country, uh, if he starts turning some of these things around, I think he'll have, I think his support will grow from there. Uh, right now, he's pretty much, uh, it's an open book. You know what he says he's going to do, but now he's got to do something. We all have about a minute here. Our first conversation, the first conversation you and I had, would have been just about a year ago. I think it was early February that we first talked on the air. And you've been with us so many times, and you've given us so much of your time. If we were to go back to those very early days in the primaries, where Donald Trump was an afterthought, a joke, I played what Bill O'Reilly put together, uh, and that was network anchors and network guests and pundits laughing and giggling at the notion of Donald Trump running for the presidency on the first days after he announced if we were to look back to those days, are you at all surprised, Fran, occasionally at how things eventually did play out and did develop, considering everything that went on in between? You know, ultimately not. I think looking back on it now, it makes more sense than it might have made to me a year ago. Um, I, I think I said this on your show before. I remember when I came to Washington in 1980, and everybody I ran into in Washington was saying, in the spring of 1980, was saying, oh, Carter was going to kill Reagan. And having just come from America... Where I'd you know where I'd worked out in America, I was like, mm, I don't think so. I think this guy Reagan's going to do pretty well, and everybody looked at me like I was an idiot. So I think the conventional wisdom, the pundit class, the political class was just dead wrong. It just shows you how out of touch they really are. Yeah, I've been saying Donald Trump was going to win for a long time, a long time, but you were saying it before I said it. So it's well, always well, it was our polls, Roy. It was in the polls. Yep. Well, I mean, that, you know, that's the thing. I mean, from day one, we were showing him competitive with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah. And and your polls turned out to be accurate, and the others were just dreamers. Right. Well, it, it followed their storyline. Exactly. Even, even on November the 8th, they were saying that Hillary Clinton had an 85% chance of winning and Trump a 15% chance winning. That was on November the 8th they were saying that. Right, right. And it's just the same thing they're saying about his agenda. They're saying his agenda is a divisive, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to be surprised. When Americans start taking home more money, when unemployment starts going down, when things like that start happening, when America starts kind of reclaiming itself, uh, I think you're going to hear some people changing their tunes. Yeah. Don't remember your – or don't forget your friends north to the north, all right? <laughs> never, never. Okay. I told you, I have family up there in Ottawa, so no, 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 not at all. All right, Fran. Good talking to you again. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Roy. Fran Coombs, managing editor of Rasmussen Reports in the United States. So, what we're going to do is take a break, and then when we come back, I'm going to play two, not everybody's heard these, play two clips from two of the celebrities who were at the Women's March yesterday. And I imagine women who were at the Women's March were embarrassed or shocked or surprised by what these two women did say. Then I have some questions for you to call in on. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. Remember, you can email anytime to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com and Twitter. Tweet me at at the Roy Green Show.